Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. Today, we're going to have such a great program because we're going back to my roots, everybody's roots. <laughs> we're going to be talking about marketing and the things that we all really need to be doing, whether you are a business of one person in your spare bedroom or a giant large business. You know, the, the principles are still the same, but we forget them. We skip them. We think, eh, we don't need those. And so today, we're going to have so much fun talking with Wayne Mullins. So welcome, Wayne. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Great. Well, let me tell people a little bit about you and then we will dive into this. So Wayne Mullins is the founder and CEO of Ugly Mug Marketing. Over the past 20 years, he has scaled multiple companies and helped hundreds of entrepreneurs do the same with their companies. Ugly Mug Marketing has won the praises of some of the leading influencers in the business world, such as Chris Voss, who is a New York Times bestselling author of Never Split the Difference, Neil Patel, the founder of Quick Sprout and Kiss Metrics, and Ari Weinzig, co-founder of Zingerman's. Wayne's work directly influences more than 100,000 entrepreneurs annually through his blog, books, and training programs. Wayne has personally worked with clients in over 100 industries from every corner of the globe. And through his books and training programs, Wayne directly influences more than a quarter million entrepreneurs each year. So again, Wayne, welcome. Thank you so much, Deb. And again, um, all of that is, uh, you know, it makes me slightly uncomfortable hearing all those stats and those things are all true, I guess. But, you know, the thing that gets me the most excited is... Um, the helping the next person that comes mm -hmm. along, the next entrepreneur who's struggling, the next business owner who, you know, is on the kind of the, the prefaces of being able to scale. Mm -hmm. um, their business is in a position where they're ready to do that. They're just unsure of the next step. So I'm excited and thankful for this opportunity to share and visit with you today. Great, great. Well, let's go back a little bit. Tell us how it is that you got to where you are today and explain the name of your company um, and tell us how this is a passion for you. Sure, absolutely. So my journey kind of in the business world began my sophomore year in college. And for whatever reason, my parents that year decided to give me some CDs by this gentleman of the name Zig Ziglar. Ooh, <laughs> wise parents. Yeah, I have no idea. It was kind of one of those out of the blue, unexpected mm -hmm. things. Um, they gave me those CDs and I don't remember the exact title, but I listened to those CDs and Zig Ziglar did a phenomenal job of selling mm -hmm. me on the profession of selling. Mm. So midway through my college career, I guess, I decided that I wanted to go in sales. Um, 
when I graduated, I got a job in sales. I was terrible at first, <laughs> but I, uh, I kept learning, kept studying. Mm-hmm. And over time, I actually got, got pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, it got to the point where every single month I would submit my commission report mm-hmm. and I would look at all the money I was making for the company I was working for. And then I would look at what I was actually going to make right. off of that. And I, hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I started, you know, scratching my head, you know, right. If I'm doing all this work, generating all this revenue for them, what could I do for myself? Mm-hmm. And fortunately or unfortunately, the only other experience I had in my life was lawn and landscape. Mm-hmm. I knew how to cut grass. Mm-hmm. So uh, much to the dismay of my parents, my friends, I decided to leave a wonderful corporate selling mm-hmm. job and start at zero with the lawn and landscape company. Mm-hmm. It was over the course of that next three-year period Mm -hmm. that I grew that company from zero to a very large, very sizable company. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the midst of all of that growth, I started having clients of our lawn company. I started having friends of mine come to me saying, hey, we see what's taking place with Mm -hmm. your, your business and the way you're scaling it and growing it. What are you doing and can you help us? Mm -hmm. And the answer was, what am I doing is I'm doing marketing. Mm -hmm. I'm doing marketing in ways that most people don't. Uh, My approach was very much a direct response style of marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was out of those conversations and out of, you know, people coming to me, asking me basically, what is it that we're doing and how can you help me do the same that Ugly Mug Marketing was born? Great. Okay, so why Ugly Mug? <laughs> so the name Ugly Mug Marketing actually comes from a quote by the uh, gentleman of the name David Ogilvy. Um, David Ogilvy actually came over to America. I believe it was in the early 50s, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. I could be off on the time frame. Um, he lands here. He had an advertising background. Mm-hmm. And his goal was to build the world's largest ad agency. And within about 15 years, he had done just that. Ogilvy and Mather was for a long period of time, the largest ad agency in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, They're still in the top 10 to Mm -hmm. this day. They're still in the top 10. But David Ogilvy had a saying that um, he was kind of known for throughout his company. And that was, show me an ad that is ugly, that gets results Mm. instead of one that is beautiful, that Mm -hmm. doesn't. Right. And so ugly mug marketing is really just a play off of that concept, Mm -hmm. off of that principle that, you know, in in a world of glitz and glamour, Mm -hmm. in a world where everything appears to be shiny and new and, you know, we chase those type of things often, Mm -hmm. um, it's oftentimes the quote unquote, ugly things that deliver the best results. Right. And so that's where the name comes from. Right. I love it. You know, and, and that's so true because we do get caught up in either the next latest, greatest shiny object, you know, or squirrel. <laughs> that's me. I'm always like, oh, look mm-hmm. over there. Um, or making it so pretty. You know, and 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 from an agency perspective, we're thinking, oh, we want to win awards, and you know, a basic, simple that tells a story doesn't win awards. You know, and and things like that, and and you know, and and when you're a solopreneur or a small business, you're thinking the same thing. We have to catch their attention. But how many times have we seen an ad, whether print, you know, on social media, you know, on on television, afterwards, and we've gone, well, that was cool. But who is it for? <laughs> or more importantly, what were they selling? Um, yeah. You know, and and I and that's the I think one of the biggest problems with when you get too pretty, 
you lose that concept. Yeah, absolutely, Deb. You 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 nailed it. You lose focus on what matters most. And marketing's job mm-hmm. is to make the sales job basically non-existent. So mm-hmm. when you market well, selling becomes infinitely easier. Mm-hmm. And that is the point and the purpose of marketing. And you're right, we lose track of that very, very easily. We chase the next mm-hmm. thing that's being pitched, the next, mm-hmm. what we call like a magic bullet or a mm-hmm. silver bullet. We begin chasing all of these things, whether it's the next social media platform, whatever it may be. And we lose sight of these fundamentals, Mm -hmm. these ugly things that aren't glitzy, aren't glamorous. But when we dedicate the time and the attention, the effort to these things, Mm -hmm. those fundamentals are proven to work over and over and over again. Right. You know, I went to somebody's website just yesterday, homepage, not a clue what they were selling. I mean, they had every keyword in there for, you know, we can solve customer complaints or all those. And I'm thinking, but what do you do? So then I made it a goal. I was like, I have to figure out what these people do. And But it wasn't until the third link that I clicked on. So, you know, I'd, I'd been in there several minutes before I was, oh, that's what they do. And of course, the average consumer isn't going to do that. Nope. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the gentleman by the name of Donald Miller. Donald Miller is an author. Um, and one of his most recent books is Story Branding. Mm-hmm. And he has a saying in there that is basically this. If you confuse, you lose. Right. So if you confuse your audience and they, they aren't quickly clear about mm-hmm. what it is that you do, mm-hmm. who it's for, mm-hmm. you lose them. We live in a world where people are clicking and scrolling. We have less and less time today than ever mm-hmm. to capture somebody's attention, to bring them in mm-hmm. and help um, them understand that what it is mm-hmm. that we offer, we provide right. is for them or it isn't for them so they mm-hmm. can move on to that decision. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, And we're not saying that whatever you're doing has to be ugly. I mean, it can still be pretty. I mean, your website is a great example. It is a gorgeous, nice website. But I know right from when I open it, what you do. And and of course, that's the important thing is, is you, we still do need to catch people's attention because like you said, we get bored, we move on. So if you don't catch people's attention, but you have to have that all important, critical, what is it that you do part? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we don't want to design things that are ugly for the sake of designing right. things that oh, are yeah. ugly. Mm-hmm. But what you just brought up is so true that we want our focus to be on the end result. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be distracted by the byproducts of mm-hmm. what does it look like? What does it feel like? And, you, you know, we can come back to this at some point later in the conversation. Um, we teach when it comes to websites, for example, we teach what we call the 353 rule. Mm-hmm. And Let's go there's ahead actually- and talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. So we like to help people just remember when you approach your website and when you're thinking about web design and what your website should be doing or shouldn't be doing, we like people to remember 353, Mm -hmm. simple number, 353. So the very first three is what we would say is the three second rule. Mm. You have three seconds Mm -hmm. to communicate what you just said. Right. What it is that we do mm-hmm. and who is this for? Mm-hmm. That's all we have today. Um, you know, there's some recent research out that that now says that the human attention span is actually less than that of a goldfish. Right. I saw that Facebook came up with that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And it's probably Facebook's fault that that, that uh, is yeah. true. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that is true. So when you approach your website, a great test, a litmus test mm-hmm. for you is to have your website, pull it up for a complete stranger mm-hmm. who doesn't know you, doesn't right. know your company, doesn't know your organization, and literally pull up the screen, mm-hmm. hit, a, hit a clock or count three mm-hmm. seconds down, and then close the computer, like change the screen, ah. take that away from them mm-hmm. and say, what does this company mm-hmm. offer? What do they sell? Mm-hmm. What do they do? And who is this for? Mm-hmm. People should be able to determine that within three seconds. Mm-hmm. Now, is that a challenge? Absolutely, mm-hmm. that's a challenge. But those who figure that out, those who figure that out, win. If you want to see an exceptional example of this, go visit Apple's website. Right. Go to any product page on their website, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter which one, mm-hmm. within three seconds, you are very clear about what this is mm-hmm. and who it's for. Mm-hmm. They've mastered the art of quick, concise communication with their audience. Right. So the first three is the three-second rule. Mm-hmm. Um, the five in 353 is what we would call the critical five. Mm-hmm. One of the most common mistakes that people make when they approach their website is they approach it assuming that the same person is going to be on every single page of the website. Uh And so they treat people the exact same way. Mm -hmm. And before I give you the five points here, the five things that are important here, um, what we have to understand is that the person who lands on your homepage is probably different than the person who's on the about page. The person Mm -hmm. who's on the about page is probably different than the person who's on the services page. Mm -hmm. And so on and so forth. So the person that's on the products page or the contact page is probably different. Now, could they be the exact same person? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But as someone progresses through your website, their level of trust, their level of liking should be going up. Right. Therefore, it's our job to make sure we're communicating in such a way that we are bringing them through this process. We are building trust Mm -hmm. as they dive deeper into our website. We are helping them get the information they need Mm -hmm. quickly, concisely, et cetera. So the the five is this, we call it the critical five. And for every single page on your website, you need to answer these five questions. Question number one, who's here? In other words, who's on this page? Mm -hmm. Who is on this page? And again, that who is probably slightly different from page to page, mm-hmm. slightly different. So if someone's filling out your contact form and it's about serv- like you have service-based business, mm-hmm. that person is different than the person who just visits the homepage. Right. So who is here is the first of the critical five. Next is what is it that we want them to do? On this particular page, what is it that we want them to do? Mm-hmm. The next one is how do we want them to do it? Mm -hmm. Should they click something? Should they read something? Like, how should they do this thing? Mm -hmm. And then the next one down from that is, when do we want them to do it? Mm -hmm. Do we want them to take the action today? Mm -hmm. Is it something we're launching in the future? Mm -hmm. Do we want to, you know, so when is it that we want them to take this action? And then the final one, and this is the most important one, is why should they do it? Mm. Not from our perspective. Not because I want them to. Absolutely not, right? We get so biased and so blinded Mm -hmm. because we're in this thing every single day. We like we intuitively believe that everyone else understands 
why they should want this. They should right. want this because we're great, mm-hmm. because we have the best service, mm-hmm. because we've been in business X number of years, whatever it may be. But from their perspective, mm-hmm. why should they even care? Mm-hmm. Why should they care about your business? Why should they care about your product, your service? So again, that's the critical five. Who's here? What do we want them to do? How do we want them to do it? When do we want them to do it? And why should they do it from their perspective or mm-hmm. for their reason? So the first three was three seconds. The five was the critical five. And the last three in 353 is what we would call the three C's of design. So if you or I were to go to a design school, it Mm -hmm. doesn't matter which design school we go to, they're going to teach us the three C's of design. Mm -hmm. So the three C's are simply this. You have composition, contrast, Mm -hmm. and then content. Mm -hmm. So the composition is just the structure of the way something's designed. It's the layout of Mm -hmm. the way something's designed. The contrast would be the colors used, Mm -hmm. the depth, the textures that are used. Mm -hmm. And then the final C is the content. What is the actual content Mm -hmm. or the message that's being communicated? Now, the problem is this. Designers, by by default, love to make things that are creative. They love to make things Mm -hmm. that are beautiful and pretty. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And if we're not careful, we will allow those two first Cs, the composition Mm -hmm. and the contrast, Mm -hmm to overrule the most important C of them all, which is the content. Mm -hmm. What is it that we're saying? And so I would, you know, I would challenge everyone listening to this, that if you're approaching anything design-wise, whether it's your website down to a brochure, begin with the content, Mm -hmm. begin with the message first, and then design around the message first. Mm -hmm. The composition and contrast should support should build mm-hmm. the case for the content you're creating, right. not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it, it comes back to exactly what we're saying. It, it might be pretty, but if you don't know what you're there for, what the you know what they're selling, all of those various things, it doesn't matter. Yeah, so so true, and it, it's it's a simple, very subtle thing, mm-hmm. but it's in those subtle nuances that drastically separate the quote unquote winners from losers, mm-hmm. particularly in a world where, you know, there's, I don't know how many websites there are. I should probably know that there's millions Lots. upon millions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> lots with the capital, all caps, mm-hmm. lots. Mm-hmm. There's so many of them out there that it's becoming more and more difficult to differentiate, mm-hmm. to stand out from right. the crowd. But what I can tell you, you know, over the last 12 years, we've, we've built about 600 custom websites. Mm -hmm. And what I can tell you from this process is that the temptation is still for us to default to the composition Mm -hmm. and the contrast, right? Because we want to do something different. We Mm -hmm. want to do something creative. Um, But at the end of the day, it's that content Mm -hmm. that matters so much. Right. Well, are you know so say you have this gorgeous website are there reasons why it might you know and, and we've kind of alluded to those but why might it not be doing what it's supposed to be doing yeah i, I think deb one answer to that would be that when we think of a website we often think of it as um a savior so we think of it as the thing that's going to magically transform our business it's right. going to save the mm-hmm. business and we often have people call, call us or contact us and they, they say, you know, it's time for a new website or our competitor got a new website and we would like a new website. Mm-hmm. And they come into this kind of idea of um, like field of dreams. Like if we build it, they will come. Right. And the reality is that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. 
at a fundamental level, we have to be willing to acknowledge and admit that a website is nothing more than a single tool mm-hmm. in our marketing tool belt, mm-hmm. a single tool. Um, and so the question then becomes the reason the website isn't working well, like mm-hmm. why is that? It's because we're, we're holding that thing to a different standard than mm-hmm. we should be. Instead, we should be approaching our website saying, how is this tool going to fit into the bigger picture, my bigger marketing right. picture, right? How is this one tool mm-hmm. going to lead people through the sales process more effectively? How is this one tool going to fit in with our lead generation system? How is this one tool going to help us turn customers into evangelists? Mm-hmm. So again, it's a mind, shit, a mind uh, shift from, you know, is it the savior, the thing that's going to radically transform the business, or is it just a tool mm-hmm. that is going to be a part of our marketing system that we have right. in place? Yeah, I had that conversation with a lot of people when social media got really, you know, really was taking off. And they were like, Facebook is going to save us. I'm like, no, no. And I said, first of all, remember, Facebook is not yours. <laughs> you can you can make something be pretty, you do whatever, and then you look the next day and Facebook has changed it, um, you know, or maybe locked you out of your page or, you know, all sorts of things, um, you know, and, and I always cringe when somebody tells me, oh, I don't need a website because I have a Facebook business page. Nope, nope. I mean, you, know, you never, you know, you don't put your, your toys in somebody else's sandbox and expect that that's going to work. Um yeah, so many people thought, oh, this is the savior. You know, there are people that think LinkedIn is the greatest thing in the world or, you know, whatever the, the things are. It, but again, that's that bright, shiny object thing. And then we discover maybe we didn't know what our message was or eek, maybe we didn't know who we're supposed to be reaching with that message. I mean, how many times, and, and you probably, you've, you've done, you know, this hundreds of thousands of times. When you ask someone, who's your target market? And they look at you and they smile sweetly and they say, everyone. And you just want to go, thuck, 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 <laughs> because it's never everyone. And, you know, and so that comes back to some of those fundamentals of, you know, who are you trying to reach? And, and you know, you mentioned, obviously, you know, you just said website is just one tool. Depending on who you're trying to reach, they may not even go to websites you know, for a variety of reasons. And and so, you know, putting all your eggs in that basket, should you have one? Yes, because people still look at those things. But again, like you said, it's not the savior. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what you brought up, Deb, is so important for people to remember. And it's something that even, even for myself, who, you know, I do this for a living, mm-hmm. I have to remind myself of this one fundamental. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could take credit for this. Uh, this comes from a gentleman by the name of Dan Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called the marketing triangle. Mm-hmm. And he basically says that the very first thing you have to do if you're going to market, market effectively is you have to be crystal clear about the market that you are serving. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently heard somebody describe it this way, that you should be able to write a page from the journal of your ideal customer. Uh-huh. In other words, you should be able to sneak into their, their house, mm-hmm. pick up their journal, mm-hmm. write the next page in their journal. And when they go pick up that book, they wouldn't know if they wrote it right. or you wrote it, right? You need to know their pain points, mm-hmm. not just as it relates to your product, mm-hmm. but life in general. You need to know their dreams, their mm-hmm. desires, um, what we would call building out a customer avatar. Mm-hmm. Right. What TV shows do they watch? Mm-hmm. You know, when they travel, where do they like to travel? How do they travel? Mm-hmm. Um, 
all of those things, it's so important. So once you get the market right, right? Once you fully understand who these people are that we're trying to reach, then and only then can you craft the message. Mm -hmm. Because your message has to be written, has to be crafted in such a way that it resonates, right? right? That it speaks mm -hmm. to them in such a way that they think you, you read their journal, right? Mm -hmm. They think right. that you read their journal. Mm -hmm. And so the marketing triangle is, again, market first, then message. Mm -hmm. Once you then figure out those two things, you then figure out what media do we need? Mm -hmm. Because when we understand our market, we understand the message we need to communicate to them. Then and only then can we figure out, okay, do we need a website? Mm -hmm. Do we need a Facebook page? Mm -hmm. Do we need LinkedIn? Like what media do we need to connect with our audience? with our mm -hmm. audience, with our marketplace. Right. And it might be printed collateral. I mean, you know, there's, there's so many things depending on what they're doing that, you know, it really might be that. I mean, you, you, you know, we're talking about the fact that you started the landscaping business. Well, uh, you know, a lot of times when somebody's in the field, you know, so say you're selling a product to a landscaper, they're, you know, they might have their smartphone with them, but they're not going to be able to access a lot of things. They need a printed piece of paper in front of them that goes through the list of plants that X greenhouse that you own offers. You know, they don't want to mess with a website. They don't want to mess with, they certainly aren't going to go to Facebook because then they're going to get lost in looking at the cute cat videos. Um, you know, and, and so they want that printed collateral. Yeah, it, it's so right. I think that, um, you know, one of the best pieces of advice I can give anybody is this, that when you look around what everyone in your space is doing, so whether mm -hmm. what, whatever industry that may be, um, do the opposite of what everybody else is doing. Mm -hmm. Do the exact opposite mm -hmm. of what everybody's doing. So, you know, we're known for being, you know, we build websites, we do social media, mm -hmm. we do all of this quote unquote modern tech related mm -hmm. stuff, but we have been sending out a physical print newsletter, mm -hmm. like newspaper. Right. To our list. Mm -hmm. And again, completely unexpected, completely mm -hmm. different than what any of our competitors mm -hmm. are doing. Um, so, you know, if you take nothing else from this, mm -hmm. take away this lesson, which is simply look around, survey, survey the competition, mm -hmm. figure out what they're doing, do the polar opposite, mm -hmm. and you will stand out from the competition. Right, right. You know, I love physical newsletters, especially when you're in an office environment. Because, you know, person X, you know, Bob gets the, the newsletter, gets this printed thing here in front of him. And he goes to and he goes, ooh, Sue needs to read this article and Jane needs to read this article. And then and he writes on it and he passes it along. And, you know, and, and uh, you know, I, we, I remember when we used to have sticky notes that had people's names on them and check boxes. So that you knew that they went through and they, you know, they at least checked the box. Um, but, you know, those and by the the last person, that newsletter was so dog-eared that there were things you couldn't read in it. But that's exactly what you wanted. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, what, what I think also, even if it doesn't get passed around, mm -hmm. right, because of the fact that that, you know, ours looks like kind of like a miniature newspaper would mm -hmm. look. Um, the, the chances are that it's going to sit on somebody's Wait, desk. It gets so kept. Mm -hmm. It gets kept. It sits on their desk. Mm -hmm. um, they may not have time to look at it today. They may not have time to look at it this week or even this month, mm -hmm. but it sits on their desk. Mm -hmm. And every time they look up, there's our logo. Mm -hmm. There's our name right. sitting on their desk. Mm -hmm. So even if they never read it, mm -hmm. you know, the fact that, that it sits subtle, there. Hello, we're here. 
we're here. Mm -hmm. And the other part of that is consistency, Mm -hmm. right? We believe that consistency creates miracles. Mm -hmm. Consistency creates miracles. And so by the fact that we send these out on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. um, one of the, the, you know, biggest quote unquote marketing sins that we see people making on social media is they show up and throw up. Right. right. They show up and they're going to broadcast all of this stuff to their people on mm-hmm. Facebook. And then they they don't interact. They mm-hmm. show up, they post all the stuff right. for they a short period of time. They never respond. They never, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then they they take off for the next three weeks mm-hmm. because the, the week or two that they were on fire and posting a lot and showing mm-hmm. up a lot – they didn't get engagement. No one mm-hmm. responded. No one interacted right. with them. And so they 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 get discouraged. Mm-hmm. They don't post anymore. And what I can tell you with an absolute fact is that the social media platforms reward you with more reach mm-hmm. when you are consistent. Right. That doesn't mean you have to post 27 times a no. day. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you have to post every single day, mm-hmm. but you should be posting on a consistent mm-hmm. basis, whether that's once a week, mm-hmm. twice a week, twice a day. It doesn't matter. Be consistent mm-hmm. with it. Um, the other thing that I would mention since I kind of took a slight detour here to social media is that the way that most business owners approach social media, and I use that social media in quotes, um, isn't actually social media. Right. The way they approach it is what we would call digital media. Mm-hmm. They approach it with a megaphone. Mm-hmm. They show up and they scream their message out to everyone else. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And like you just said, Deb, when somebody does take the time to leave a comment, Mm -hmm. they don't respond to it. When Mm -hmm. somebody does take the time to Mm -hmm. share the post, they don't write and say, Mm -hmm. thank you so much for sharing. If it's true social media, it's about a dialogue, Mm -hmm. not a one-way conversation. Mm -hmm. It's a two-way conversation back and forth. And so that that is a simple thing. Mm-hmm. that everyone can be proactive in. Mm-hmm. We can all proactively be more engaged in dialogue mm-hmm. on our social channels. Right. right? Well, just- and I tell people it's not just for that person who posted. It's for everybody else who's reading it. Um, you know, Yelp reviews, great example. You know, somebody writes a Yelp review, review, review positive or negative, right. and it sits there and there's crickets, you know, mm-hmm. or... There's a cut and paste response. Thank you so much for enjoying our little video. Um, But what I love are the businesses that go in and take the time to reply. Even if you're just saying, hey, thanks so much for stopping by. Thanks for that great comment. And of course, you absolutely positively, and I, you know, talk to my clients about this all the time, have to respond to negative reviews. You know, and 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 they're not going to go back and read it again. They don't care. They vented. They got it out of their system. They're done. Your re- response to that negative review is important to everybody else who reads it. You know, and and so you know, I tell people, you know, put in there. Of course, one of the first things that that you want to put is, "I'm sorry. We're sorry this happened." You know, because that's what people want. They want to be acknowledged. Um, you're not saying we're wrong. We're not, you know, any of those various things. But then you you do say, you know, here's how we might try and fix it. We're sorry you had this horrible meal at our restaurant. Come back in and we'll give you a free appetizer. You know, or you know, here's our the the name and the and the direct phone number for our general manager. Please give them a call. Are they going to call? No. Like I said, they don't go back and read it. But somebody else reading it goes, oh yeah, wow. Um, you know, they cared enough to to write that response. 
Yeah, that I love that, Deb, because again, it's going back to the fundamentals. Like mm-hmm. we all know intuitively, like those are the things we should do. Right. And yet we're so busy chasing the next magic mm-hmm. bullet, the next thing that, you know, whether it's the, mm-hmm. the so, new social platform, mm-hmm. whatever it may be, we're chasing those things that we lose sight of those fundamentals. Right. And it's the fundamentals, again, in a world that's that's chaotic, in a world mm-hmm. that is moving a million miles an hour, mm-hmm. in a world where there's a new something for us to, to think about mm-hmm. as business owners every single day, um, the fundamentals are getting lost. Right. And in this day and age, there's nothing that will help you stand out more than returning to those fundamental mm-hmm. things. Right. Yeah. I have clients that come up and, and they're like deer in headlights, you know? So, so now there's this TikTok thing and, and I thought I was just getting the, the handle on Instagram and, and I tell them, no, 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 <laughs> go back and pick just one, you know? And, and, and again, you, you need to figure out is, is it um, where the people you're trying to reach need to be, but you know, I'm not on TikTok. I'm not on Instagram. You know, I'm not on any of those things because they're a distraction to me. And I do go down the rabbit hole frequently. So, you know, I just don't even have them. But more importantly, the clients that I work with, that's not where they need to be. So I'm not going to spend my time there learning all about them. And more importantly, they're probably going to be gone before too long. You know, Instagram will probably be around a while. But, you know, some of the other things, you know, they come, they go. So why spend time there? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. We we are very selective ourselves mm-hmm. with what channels we show up on. Mm-hmm. Um, you shouldn't select a channel because your competitors are on that on that right. channel. Because you then you're competing select, with them. Yeah, you you shouldn't select mm-hmm. it based on the fact that some guru said this is going to be the next big thing mm-hmm. for small businesses. You should only just reiterating what you just said, Deb. Mm-hmm. You should only select channels that are in alignment with where your market, your ideal customer is showing up. Mm-hmm. That's the only place that you need to focus on. That's the only place mm-hmm. you need to be. And right. it's not all of them. It's right. not. Oh, I know. You know, and, and, and then it's funny, you know, when, when the, the clients want you to do that, cause right. You know, you have these discussions with them and I had one that said, now, are we going to have an egg page? And it took me a while to figure out she meant IG, which was Instagram. You know, and I said, no, we're not going to have an egg page. <laughs> you know? That's yeah. just, that's not who we're trying to reach. So, no, we're not going to spend our time there. But yeah, an egg page. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, you've got them that back to the pretty websites. Hey, we needed to do this because either I saw a website that did that and it was pretty or our competitor's website does it. Um, you know, I noticed today that they're saying, you know, once and for all, Flash is gone and dead. And I got a message several days ago on my computer to, to deinstall it. Flash was one of the worst things I think that ever came about because everybody went, oh my God, we had a Flash. Well, not every system ran it. You know, that's the other thing people need to remember. You know, all these various things. And so it's, yeah, it's back to those basics. Yeah, I, I I just completely agree with everything you you said there, Deb. Because again, we're in a distracted world, mm-hmm. and returning to the fundamentals mm-hmm. and the best fundamental, the absolute. If you if you take nothing else away from this, take this away. You have to devote time, serious time, mm-hmm. to clearly understanding your customers right. and your ideal customers. Mm-hmm. That is where the magic lies. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it seems so much like a cop-out. It seems honestly so much like a waste of time, you know, to sit down and to really think through 
all of those questions mm-hmm. of like, what TV shows are they watching? What are right. they watching on Netflix? Mm-hmm. What type of vehicles do they drive? Mm-hmm. It feels like in so many ways, a waste of time to, to devote time to do that when there's so much more quote unquote important things we mm-hmm. could be doing. But when we do that, mm-hmm. when we clearly get inside the minds of our audience, mm-hmm. every other marketing piece and component gets infinitely easier. Right. Right. You know, and it's one of those things where it's it's really hard for either a new business or someone who's struggling to think they're going to limit the number of people they reach. Because, you know, your your first inclination is, no, 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 I need to get my message in front of as many people as possible. But if, you know, say you have a, 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 you know, thank heavens, one of the big things that was there for a while has gone away, the buying of Facebook likes, remember? And and I had clients who would tell me that. They would say, we need you to go buy because we want to be seen as the page that has 10,000 people who like us. And I said, yeah, but 9,990 of those do not care. So, you know, they're never going to interact. They're certainly never going to buy or refer to you. So let's get back to those 10, those 20, you know, maybe it's 100, 200, depending on what you do, might be, you know, several thousand, whatever. Let's get back to them and speak just to them and and let the, you know, yeah, you might get a couple of those other ones that pay attention every once in a while. And that's great. You know, there are secondary markets, but, you know, again, figure out who you need to reach and only talk to them. Yeah, absolutely. It it reminds me of, you know, I think so often that people confuse the difference between what is marketing and what is advertising, right? What is the difference in those Mm -hmm. two things? And, you know, one, one quick point is that advertising is merely a piece or component of marketing. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's all it is. It's It's a piece or getting the marketing message out. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, the The way we define marketing, and there's a lot of right answers to the way to define marketing, but the way we define it is marketing is your ability to attract and keep mm-hmm. a customer, to attract and keep mm-hmm. a customer. Now, if you were to go out and survey, if we were to go out into the world of business owners and survey and say, okay, um, what percentage of your marketing budget is devoted to attracting And what percentage of your marketing budget is devoted to keeping customers? I can tell you because we've kind of surveyed some of our clients. We've surveyed Mm -hmm. people at events. And what I can tell you is that virtually no money is allocated to the keeping of customers. They just keep churning new clients, new clients, new clients. And, And it blows my mind because we all know from personal experience and from just business experience, we all know that it's infinitely easier and it's infinitely cheaper to sell a new product or service to an existing customer, someone who's already given us money, Mm -hmm. than to go out and find someone else who's never given us money in the Mm -hmm. past before. And yet we know that we ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, we tend to end up shopping at the same places. Um, We see our favorite store releasing Mm -hmm. a new product or a new service. And we're much more likely to buy that than Mm -hmm. from somewhere we've never bought before. Mm -hmm. And yet as business owners, we still allocate 99% of our marketing budget to the attracting of Mm -hmm. new people who know nothing about this. Right. Right. And, you know, and, and you, we are just spinning our wheels in many cases with them because they're not interested, you know, and, and, but we built up that no like and trust with those current people. So why not, 
you know, say, oh, and by the way, do you know that we can also do X? Or, hey, I've seen that, you know, this might be something that, that we could work together on, you know, things like that. And, and you know, and it, I think people sometimes think, well, that's pushy. Well, I'm sorry, you have to be a little bit pushy. And of course, you're not saying here, you know, your website sucks, I need to redo it for you. You know, you're saying, eh, when was the last time you gave it an update? <laughs> you know, do you know that we do that? Um, yep. You know, things like that. Yeah. One analogy, if you don't mind me giving it here, is um, we have this thing, what we call the natural progression, because you mm-hmm. just mentioned no like, and trust. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no like, and trust is the fundamental of all selling. And it's the fundamental of all marketing. That's the purpose mm-hmm. of marketing is the purpose of selling mm-hmm. is to get people to know about us, to like us, to trust us, to pull out their wallet then and exchange money mm-hmm. for our product or service. And so we came up with this idea of what's called the natural progression that simply means that people are always going to follow that exact process. Mm -hmm. Know, like, and trust. Where we get in trouble is when we violate the natural way that people flow through Mm -hmm. a buying cycle. Know, like, and trust. And so what we do is we like for people to envision an old analog circle clock, like Mm -hmm. a round clock hanging on the wall. So at the 12 o'clock spot, we have out in the world what we would call strangers. Mm -hmm. Those are people out there who don't know about us, Mm-hmm. They don't like us. They know nothing about us, but we believe they would be a good fit for our product mm-hmm. or service. Over at the three o'clock spot on the clock is what we would have friends, what we would call friends. Mm-hmm. So friends are people who know about us and they like us a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't hate us. They right. like what we do. They mm-hmm. like our company, our product. And then down at the six o'clock spot, we have customers. And in order to move people through this cycle, you know, from 12 o'clock to three o'clock to six Mm o'clock, you know, step one is to get from strangers to friends. We have to get people to know about us. Right. That's step one. We have Mm -hmm. to get them to know about us. Step two is we've got to, in that process of moving them from a friend into a customer, we have to build trust. Mm -hmm. It's all about trust. They're never going to pull out their wallet and give us money mm-hmm. if they don't trust that we're going to do what we say we're going to mm-hmm. do. Our product's going to deliver the results. Right. Our service is going to deliver the results. Um, and so when we think of that natural progression, where sometimes we get in trouble is we put too much responsibility on one ad or on one campaign. And we try to make that one ad or that one campaign bring people from strangers all the way down to customers Mm -hmm. where they're pulling out their wallet. Instead, we need to think incrementally. We need to have a marketing campaign that simply takes strangers and converts them into friends. Mm -hmm. Then we may need another campaign that takes the friends and converts them from friends into customers. Mm -hmm. So again, you can have stages along this process as you're building out the knowing, the liking, and the Mm -hmm. trusting. But what's interesting about the natural progression is this, is that at the six o'clock spot, we have friend, I'm sorry, customers. So those are the people who've given us money. Mm-hmm. At the nine o'clock spot, we have what would be called evangelist. Mm-hmm. Those are people who love our product, our mm-hmm. service, our brand so much that they're willing to go out and tell others. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about that is when we have evangelists for our companies, we bypass the whole stranger at 12 o'clock because mm-hmm. they're going out and telling their friends right. over here at three o'clock. Mm-hmm. Now, the key element to, to turn a regular customer into evangelists is love, right? Mm-hmm. We have to make sure that we are exceeding expectations. Mm-hmm. 
We can't just meet expectations. Mm -hmm. We have to exceed expectations to get evangelists. Mm -hmm. Now, you can have a team of evangelists. We can have evangelists, you know, fill up an entire building mm -hmm. full of evangelists. But if we aren't giving evangelists the tools right. to go out and share our message mm -hmm. with others, they're never going to do it. Mm -hmm. They can love us. You know, more than, than a parent loves mm -hmm. their child, they could love us. Mm -hmm. But if we aren't giving them tools that make mm -hmm. it easy for them to go share with their friends, they're never going to do that. Right. And, you know, social media is obviously one of the, the easy ways to do that. You know, and we talked about how many companies on social media are just doing the hit people over the head with the message that, you know, here's the latest and greatest buy it type of thing. How do we use social media to, to help us in this process to get more likes and, and shares and, and comments in positive ways? Yeah, there's going to be, you know, the, the naysayers out there that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, in most cases, I'm really glad there's not a dislike button. Sometimes I'd use it. But, um, but yeah, you know, how do we get people to at least click the like button? We really want them to comment and share. I mean, that's that is the ultimate. But how do we do that? Yeah, great question, Deb, because you're right. We live in a world that, you know, virtually every business is on social media of some, mm -hmm. some platform, way, shape, or form. Um, and one thing that we often say is like, shares, and comments don't put money in the bank account. Mm -hmm. So we have to look at how this tool, let's use Facebook as an example. Mm -hmm. How do we use this tool to actually bring people through the natural progression? Mm -hmm. How do we use this tool to take them from strangers to friends, friends to pulling out the wallet and becoming mm -hmm. customers? And some simple things that we need to do is one, we need to make sure that we're engaging in dialogue, that mm -hmm. it is true social mm -hmm. media, not digital media. Mm -hmm. That is step one. Because when someone takes the time to comment on our page, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if it's just, I love this post. It doesn't matter if it's, um, I enjoyed this. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter if it's an emoji with a smiley face. We must respond mm -hmm. to that. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. or glad you enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what we respond. But again, what we're looking for is building that relationship, mm -hmm. right? It's about building that relationship out. The other thing that I would say is this, that um, Facebook, um, for all their faults and all their, their, their uh, challenges that they present to us in the world today, the one thing they are brilliant at is getting you and I as business owners to give them money. Right. And they've invented this little blue button down at the bottom that mm -hmm. says boost post. Mm -hmm. And that blue button is a brilliant, brilliant way for Facebook to take your money. Mm -hmm. Now, is there something inherently wrong with using the boost post button? No. Can you get results by using the boost post button? Mm -hmm. Yes. But when you are using the boost post button, it's it's basically like entering a, a NASCAR race mm -hmm. with a go-kart. Right. So Facebook has the ability you and I as business owners have the ability to use the NASCAR race car mm -hmm. instead of the go-kart. So the boost post button is the go-kart. In the backside of Facebook, there's Facebook's ads manager. Mm -hmm. And inside of that, there is just so much more capacity, mm -hmm. so much more quote-unquote horsepower mm -hmm. to help us put our message in front of the right people right. at the right time. Mm -hmm. But again, we have to be willing to do the work. Mm -hmm. We can't take the lazy approach and click the blue button mm -hmm. and then wonder why we're not getting results. Right. Yeah, I'm just going to do it for the everybody in this zip code. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely not. And again, but it goes back to to what you brought up earlier, Deb, which is just simply we must understand our market first. Mm-hmm. Like, don't go to Facebook to advertise until you fully understand your mm-hmm. market. Because when you understand that market, we can now say, okay, Facebook, I want you to put my ad in front of every person who likes BMW automobiles. Mm-hmm. That completely transforms the targeting of your messaging. Right. So that's the power of understanding that natural progression. That's the power of, you know, returning to the fundamentals of not taking the easy path, right? Mm-hmm. Diving into the tools that are available to us that in this example, that Facebook makes ex- available mm-hmm. to us to use. Right. Well, and Facebook wants to get your money again and again. So yeah. that's why it has these great tools because it wants you to be successful. You know, if you spend however much on, on a boost, and you get nothing, you're thinking, well, why would I want to do that again? But if something happens, you're like, oh, maybe I should do that again. Um, you know, and and so that's why it's so detailed. And, you know, and, and why they'll help you with it, too. You know, that's that's the other thing is, um, you know, it, it, they will help you with, with it. You know, it's it, it goes back to my days of when we were really working closely with the ad buyers at television, radio, and print media, you know, and, and, and there were times where they would say, you know what, this is not the best place. Um, or, you know, they'd say, you know, let, let's work around this. I remember one time I, many years ago, I worked for the American Cancer Society. And, and this was when uh, TV stations still had to do um, at least a certain percentage of their ads had to be towards nonprofits. We had a great relationship with the, the TV stations, and so we could work with them on, on different projects. And there was one that, that we were doing that was for new mothers who were breastfeeding and a potential for breast cancer. So I'm talking with my ad buy person, and, and this was free, but they still wanted it to be successful. And we came up with it needed to run at 2 a.m. Because that was when a new mother who was breastfeeding was going to be sitting there watching TV and paying attention. You know, running it at two in the afternoon was a total waste of time. And we, that was such a successful campaign, you know, and, and it didn't matter that we didn't pay for it. They loved it because they got a lot of, of eyeballs on it too. So yeah, it comes back to figuring out who you need to reach, how you need to reach them and, and only spending your time and your effort there. Yeah, no, I love that example because again, it goes back to fully understanding the market. Mm-hmm. Once you understand that market, then you can craft the right message. Mm-hmm. And then once you know the message, you know exactly where to go to put mm-hmm. that, right? It's two o'clock, 2 a.m. in the right. morning is, is where to put that. Mm-hmm. Um, jumping back real quick, just to one thing to kind of clarify or mm-hmm. to talk about as it relates to Facebook um, and all marketing in general, we have to be careful that we don't become... Um, I don't know what the right word would be for this. Like um, we don't become enamored mm-hmm. with vanity metrics. Right. So the number of likes on a page, mm-hmm. and you, you talked about this earlier, that's a vanity metric. Mm-hmm. That means nothing. Sure. I mean, you could make the argument that, you know, social proof matters mm-hmm. and the more likes on your page and all this stuff, but it's a vanity metric. Right. The number Did of Did they do of- something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The number of likes a particular page or mm-hmm. particular post gets, it's a vanity metric. Mm-hmm. And what Facebook, unfortunately, is very, very good at when you click the boost post button, they're good at delivering vanity metrics. Right. They're good at making you feel, oh, I only spent 10 bucks mm-hmm. and look, I got 
27 people like this mm-hmm. post. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Like that's a good exchange of value. Mm-hmm. But the reality is when we return to the natural progression, the question is, did that actually move any anybody around mm-hmm. this natural progression? Did it move a stranger into a friend? Mm-hmm. Did it move a friend into a customer mm-hmm. or did it help turn a customer mm-hmm. into an evangelist? And if the answer is no, we have to look at ourselves. We have to be honest with the fact that, am I just being um, enamored by right. these vanity metrics, mm-hmm. right? So that's, that's an important point mm-hmm. that we have to be careful of. Mm-hmm. Web traffic's the same way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, I could send, let's just say we, we could send 10,000 visitors to your website tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Sounds wonderful. Sounds right. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if none of those people are interested mm-hmm. in what you do or what we do, right. it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Right. And that's where there's so many experts out there today. I, I use the term loosely, experts, mm-hmm. um, who can help you increase all of these vanity metrics. Mm-hmm. But we, as marketers, as business owners, mm-hmm. we have to be brutally honest with ourselves. And we have to say, okay, how does this move people through the natural progression? How does this actually help the cash register mm-hmm. ring. Right, right. Well, we don't have much time left, but I want to talk about the fact that, you know, we were all going merrily along and then March of 2020 hit and everybody's world just turned upside down. What did you see from an agency perspective with people going, oh my gosh, we need to, to do things different? Yeah. Uh, great question. And the answer is this. What we saw was we obviously have clients in a lot of different industries. Mm-hmm. We saw some that were very dramatically impacted. For example, mm-hmm. we work with um, a travel agent. She's Ooh. more of like a travel architect. Mm-hmm. She designs these very, very custom trips all mm-hmm. around the world for people. And literally overnight, it all went the away. flights she had booked, mm-hmm. everything she had mm-hmm. done completely goes away. Mm-hmm. We have other clients who are in different industries and their business is thriving during this time. Mm -hmm. But across the board, what I can tell you is this, that of all of our clients that we work with on a very direct basis, those who adapted the quickest, who made Mm -hmm. the quickest moves to adjust to this new reality, Mm -hmm. they are the ones who are doing the best right now. That doesn't mean they're doing as good as they Mm -hmm. maybe thought they would do this year without the pandemic. But what that means is they adapted so quickly that it caught the competition by surprise Mm -hmm. and they were able to attract customers that they would not Mm -hmm. have otherwise attracted who were used to going other places. Um, There's one one great quote. I I don't remember who to attribute this to, but the quote is simply this. If the rate of change in your business is slower than the rate of change outside of your business, it won't be long before you're out of business. Ah, makes sense. And COVID really, um, you know, accelerated mm-hmm. that saying, we mm-hmm. have to be adapting quickly in our businesses mm-hmm. now more so than ever. Right. Yeah. I think so many people were coasting. You know, let's, let's just be blunt about it. I think they were just fine with, we're just right here. And then whoop, they fell off that cliff. And, and they didn't stop to think, you know, is restaurant. Great example. You know, okay, what do we need to do? Because people can cannot come into our restaurant any longer. And, you know, and restaurants, of course, are, are you know, unique in many ways, because they, they don't often have a big cushion of money in the bank. I mean, a restaurant just kind of runs, you know, month to month. And that's, you know, that is kind of typical of a restaurant, nothing bad about it. It's just the way they are. But 
for those that went, oh my God, people can't come into our restaurant anymore. What do we do? They were lost. For those people who within a week said, hey, we will deliver. You know, you can't come to us anymore, so we will come to you. Um, you know, or you can come and pick up, you know, all of those various things. I've seen restaurants that around here that added takeout windows. I mean, and these were restaurants that a year ago would have never thought about doing takeout. Um, you know, and and did they have to change their menu? Yes. You know, because they couldn't do takeout for, you know, as many items as they probably usually had. But they did adjust. And, and what I think is interesting is I think a lot of businesses, you know, no matter what, are, you know, we're not going to go back to normal. We're not going to go back to the way it was last January. Everything will have shifted. So now the great thing is we've got time. You know, we need to be thinking about what are we doing, um, you know, and, and, and I think that's, that's, you know, because yeah, you know, it's, it has lasted much longer than we thought and it's going to continue. I mean, you know, it, we've, we've still got months to go, you know, people, I loved it back in March when they said, oh, it's just two weeks. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and, and, but, but yeah, so now is the time to really sit down and think about, you know, what were we doing right? And what were we doing wrong? Um, you know, and, and so Wayne, one of the things that I want you to, to talk about is what services do you provide to companies? How can you help people out? Sure, Deb. We typically work in three core areas. So mm -hmm. website design and development, mm -hmm. um, and we do all custom. So, you know, okay. uh, when, when you hear the word custom, think expensive. <laughs> um, that's just the reality of it. It's very time intensive. Um, mm -hmm. And we do custom websites. We do social media marketing, specifically Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. Those are the two platforms that we know the best. Mm -hmm. um, those are the two that we can get the best results on. Mm -hmm. And then the final one is general marketing. Um, and when I say general marketing, we do everything from television to radio to uh, PR related things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, our, our, our core focus in all of those areas, all three of those areas is really understanding the natural progression and how is it that whatever piece or component we're working on is helping people move through that, attracting mm -hmm. customers, but as well as helping those businesses, our clients, turn customers into evangelists. Mm -hmm. I love it. Well, how would they find out more information about you? Yeah, the, the best place is just simply on our website, and that's just uglymugmarketing.com. Um, we've got links to our social channels. We've got email addresses, all that good Good information right there on our website. Great. Yeah, I noticed on, on Facebook today, uh, one of your staff members was talking about the 21 things you must have in your website. So a good thing for people to, to search out and, and, and watch. Yeah, absolutely. Each week we try to we try to go live and just share some things that we're either learning or things that we're doing in our, in our business ourselves. So um, we do post a lot of good content there on Facebook. Great. I love it. I love it. Well, Wayne, do you have any final thoughts for everybody? The, the last thing that I would leave people with is uh, something I, I mentioned earlier, is that consistency does create miracles, um, not just in your marketing, but in your business in general. And I know for myself as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, that I love chasing the new things. Mm -hmm. I love the new ideas. I love um, you know the grand visions. But what I've learned over time is that when I'm consistent as a leader, when I'm consistent as a marketer, that it creates miracles in our businesses. And so it requires a different level of discipline 
on ourselves as business owners because our natural tendency is kind of the opposite of that often to chase the new things. But uh, I would encourage you to be consistent because it does create those miracles. I love it. Well, Wayne, I can't wait to have you on again because, you know, discussions like this, I just love it. So much fun. You know, and, and so maybe when we are out of the pandemic and, and people are trying to figure out what the heck are we going to do now, we'll, we'll have you back on again. So obviously stay in touch. But until then, I'm Deb Creer. I've been having a great discussion with Wayne Mullins of Ugly Mug Marketing. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.